Welcome to another podcast, Be Your Own Manager for Classical Musicians. Well, as you know, the podcast is not only for classical musicians, but for anyone who is interested in classical music and the classical music world. Today, I'll speak a bit about the self-coaching process for classical musicians as part of the career management segment. Then I'll talk about the US shutdown and the impact it has on culture and music. Last but not least, a few remarks on the Siemens Prize. As you might know, as a regular listener, we have changed the podcast a bit more to include news about the music industry in general and not only having career management tips. I would very much like to have your feedback on that. So please do reach out to me. You find a contact button on hellostage.com, right on the button, write to me. I will receive it and I would be really happy to receive your feedback. Alternatively, you find on our Facebook page, at least for that week, a little poll where you can say, yes, you would like to have more or also classical music news included, or you want to have it really pure on career management issues for musicians. Let me know what you think. Also, any suggestions are really welcome of what we should include. That is very helpful. Thanks so much for listening. I will get into it right away. Sometimes it's really difficult to look into the future of your career. And in the book Bettina Maynard myself wrote a year ago, so-called Be Your Own Manager, we introduced a process which I used a lot in coachings, not only with musicians, but actually also in businesses and so on. It is derived from what is called scenario planning, which was big in the 70s and 80s, especially with the Shell company at that time, and became later an important part of what is called system dynamics in what I actually wrote my master thesis ages ago. Well, let's go back to the self-coaching process. And this is in our book very much in the first chapter. And there, our proposal is that because it's so hard to look into the future, to look actually back from the future. And let me explain that a tiny little bit more. If you want to go up on a very high mountain and you stand in front of the mountain and say, shit, I need to get up that mountain. It's really difficult to start going. But if you are up on the mountain looking back saying, hmm, there were some parts of the path which were really difficult, but others were easy. And you can actually point them out which paths were easy and which parts of the paths were difficult. So we do a mind exercise in that self-coaching process, which is described in the book pretty much in detail, where we say, put yourself into the year 2029 and describe your life as much as possible. Describe how you live, how you earn your money, what makes you tick, what you're passionate about, how your private life looks like, and, 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 and. There are a lot of questions in the book, like what will you be doing, what will you be working on, what excites you, what are you passionate about, and so on. I use that process a lot in teaching and a lot in my coachings as well. And in some of the coachings in the last couple of weeks, which came actually up, was that people were a bit afraid of really answering these questions honestly and then I tried to get behind that and say 
why, what's the matter? And then I realized that for many of the younger people, there's a lot of expectations they want to meet. Expectations by their parents, by their peers, by their friends, by their teachers. And yes, we are social animals. And especially if you're younger, we really try to live up to all those expectations. And sometimes that's not easy. So I suggested to do this exercise of envisioning yourself in the year 2029 twice. Once you do it with all the expectations in mind from your parents, from your friends, from your partners, from your teachers and so on, and describe it as if you would meet all those expectations. And then the second round is actually imagining your wildest wild persona you can imagine and answer the same questions within that persona once again still in the year 2029. When you're really going crazy, when you're not caring about expectations but it's just you and just thinking about what makes you tick and what makes you happy. And if you have these two different descriptions, you will see that there are some things which actually link up very nicely and some other things which don't link up at all. It is actually important to do that exercise in writing. So to write all that pictures, all those visions down on a piece of paper and actually two separate pieces of paper in that respect. And then you can draw a line in between them and actually you can link them. And to make that exercise even more visual, what you can do is you can take a couple of post-its and write, you know, take the yellow post-its for everything which is expected from you and write each expectation for the year 2029 on one post-it and put it on your table, yeah, post-it by post-it, and you will have, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 post-its. And then you step away, have a cup of coffee or go for a walk. And you come back and you take certainly the orange post-its because I love orange, as you might know. And then you use the orange post-its for answering the questions as if it was the craziest person of yourself in the year 2029. And then you can actually start kind of aligning some of the post-its and you will see that some of the post-its of the yellow and the orange are pretty close and some are really far away. If they're pretty close, that's easy for you because that's, you know, you can go after that and that can become a very good goal. If they're far away, you need to think a bit about it and you probably need to discuss it with your friends and your partners and your teachers and probably your parents and so on. Because sometimes it's actually good to leave some of the expectations behind, but do it in a conscious process. If you know that your parents expect from you that you have a big house and 10, and 10 children and five dogs, and you've written that down in the expectations, you might actually want to start a conversation with your parents and say, you know, I feel that you do expect it from me, but I think it's completely ridiculous and doesn't make any sense. So that these outlayers in expectations, but also in your crazy own persona, you either bring them to the center or you get rid of them. So that's a bit of an add-on to the exercise from our book. I hope it helps and I hope it adds some value. And today I have a little advertisement for 
a product I myself did actually. So many of you will be familiar with the book Be Your Own Manager, which Bettina Mena and I have written together. And I would like to invite you to get that book. Be Your Own Manager is a handbook for classical musicians describing you in several chapters in detail what's good for your career, what you should do, and I hope is actually really practically written. It has a lot about career planning, marketing, sales, even finance, and so on, and other issues in there. If you haven't got it, go to amazon.com or to hellostage.com and just get it now. It'll be helpful for your career. And if you have it, please share it with others. Thank you. Many of you might have heard of the US shutdown. What actually is that shutdown and how may that impact many musicians out there? Well, the shutdown is something mostly specific actually to the US. And there, the government has to go to the Senate or the House of Representatives to actually get a new budget approved. Well, that's so far a very normal procedure, which you'll see in any kind of democracy. But the budget laws there are also very, very detailed. And whenever there is not enough money left over, the government has to go back to the houses to get approval for more money. That's often done actually by the finance ministries in different countries and often doesn't require a specific approval by the governments. Well, that's different in the US. And in the US, you need to think about it if you have a monthly allowance of, say, $100. And by the 20th of the month, you don't have any money left. You have actually two options. Option one is to go and borrow some more money. In the US, you need a detailed approval from the Houses of Congress and the Senate for that, which means that you actually have to negotiate with them. Or you simply stop spending, which is, if this is your monthly allowance, probably a bit difficult because you don't get anything to eat. Well, the US government thinks differently and they just send a couple of hundred thousand actually workers home and say you're not essential, so you don't get paid and you can stay home. And other workers are asked to actually come to work without pay. Well, that's all very specific US, but it has a major impact probably on many artists, but definitely um, to many, many people. Many arts organizations, including the Metropolitan Opera in New York or Seattle Symphony, have actually offered free tickets to public servants who are victims of the political chaos in the United States and who don't get paid at the moment. Well, I hope that a lot of public servants will at least enjoy the wonderful museums, the music, the opera and so on out there and perhaps also come back at some point. The other question for many musicians who are actually planning to go to the US, what impact has that on your visa application process? One point before I start about visas is, whenever you go to the US to perform, 
even if you do not get any money for it, even if you just play for a charity or something like that, you do need an artist visa. There's no way around it. And don't be fooled not to do that. Because if the US government and the US organizations find out about that, you probably won't get a visa in the future and might actually be barred from entering the country. So when you go to perform, regardless if you make money on it or not, to the US, make sure you have an artist's visa. The visa application process, luckily, is not really affected by the shutdown. The reason behind that is that every visa application goes with quite a hefty fee and these fees should cover the whole process. So the respective US department said that there shouldn't be any effects on that. There might be a slight effect actually if you have to go to your local consulate or to your local embassy um, US embassy or US consulate in your country to hand in the visa, to receive the visa or so. Because workers in consulates and embassies, if they are non-essential, they are actually, um, they feel actually the shutdown and they might not come to work. The other way where you might feel it is actually if you're traveling in the US that the queues might be much longer when you check in for security and any kind of security transportation issues issues might be there. But luckily many US public servants still come to work and try to make it work. So that's a little update about the US shutdown and how it affects music. The British composer living in Berlin, Rebecca Saunders, has won the Ernst von Siemens Music Prize. This is one of the most important prizes, especially for contemporary music in Europe. She gets 250,000 euros for that. We do congratulate her really warm-heartedly. But there are a couple of buts coming with that. The Ernst von Siemens Prize has been handed out since 1974. And it has been given to such wonderful people like Pierre Poulet, Benjamin Britten, Leonard Bernstein and many others. If you look through the list of the award winners, you will realize very quickly that Rebecca Saunders is only the second woman to receive that prize. The first one was Anne-Sophie Mutter. And being interested in that issue, I looked a bit further and then I wasn't too surprised why that might be the case. Because the so-called Stiftungsrat, which is the top board of the foundation, has nine members, but only two women. It is a bit better in the so-called Curatorium, with four women among ten men, among ten members, I'm sorry. Well, actually, I would hope that the Ernst von Siemens Foundation starts to do a specific Women in Music Prize. Because when they started the prize in 1974, they really made an impact on especially contemporary music. But perhaps it is time to make an impact on diversity in music. 
And that's not only about women in music, but also about people with other backgrounds in music. So I would very much hope that the Ernst von Siemens Stiftung will take that on. Nevertheless, congratulations to Rebecca Saunders. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Bernhard Karras and it was a pleasure talking to you. I hope you found this podcast helpful. Please do not forget to reach out to me on the content of that podcast, especially if you would like to have classical music news in general included in that podcast or not. I'm really looking forward to receiving your feedback. And if you have any other questions or so, do not hesitate to contact me. If you like that podcast, please share it with your colleagues and friends. And just make sure that you also share some classical buzz about concerts you heard or you're going to or opera performances or events. Take your friends and help them to enjoy our wonderful world of classical music. Thanks so much. Till soon.